0: This is the WGNS Action Line, talking with Rutherford County newsmakers about what matters most to you. Now, your host, Scott Walker.
1: Right now at that time, 819, you're tuned to WGNS on this Friday morning, today, the 14th of April and this morning we'll be talking about the tennessee philharmonic orchestra right here in murfreesboro and serving rutherford county and our guests today in studio include the original conductor dr lawrence harvin and ceo jane mcnulty and board chair ray singer so i guess uh, dr harvin let's start with you this morning and i'm curious what gave you this idea to move forward with having this orchestra here locally? Well, when I came to Murfreesboro
2: years ago, I used to, I was head of the string division at the uh, university. And I would do extra jobs around at uh, Cookville and Huntsville, and they had symphony orchestras. And I started thinking, well, if they have a symphony orchestra, why can't we have one here in Murfreesboro?
1: Yeah, we're, we're bigger than Cookville Oh, even.
2: yes. And they had a great orchestra there, and so I started building the orchestra here. And over the years, it's developed. It's, what is it, 40-something years?
3: This is our 41st. We're finishing up
2: our 41st. Right. Mm-hmm. But I'm not that old, so I no. <laughs> How did that happen? Just turned 42,
1: right? And <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, Dr. Harvin, how did you go about forming the orchestra? Because that had to be a lot of work in the beginning.
2: Well, it really was. Um, the first thing I had to do was to get a board. And Sale Corlew, uh, I talked to her. She was, she was working for another newspaper here, and I can't remember the, the name of it, but uh, we had n- two newspapers at that time. And so I went to her, and we were friends, and I said, "I told her what my vision was to develop an orchestra, and I said, "I need a board, you know people to help." Uh, develop this and she said fine she said I'll be glad to help she, and I said will you, will you be president <laughs> she said <laughs> you know how that is you want to be president of the board <laughs> <Are you laughs> asking me? Uh, every, Yeah, everybody <laughs> runs for the door <laughs> you know? and she said yes she said I'll do it and uh, so we started right away and developed a board and started concerts and and here we are 41 years later
1: so in the beginning was it your thought process to to lead the orchestra as a conductor was that something that you knew right away hey this is what I'm gonna do well
2: as a musician that's what I wanted you yeah know, I wanted a, an orchestra that I could uh, conduct and maybe it's a little selfish of me but uh, <laughs> that's that's how it all started and uh, I just had really great uh, ideas about what the future would lead to, and we had wonderful, wonderful soloists. I mean, we had people out of the New York Philharmonic, the Chicago (laughs) Symphony. Uh, We had people from South America, from uh, all over the world that came to conduct. And also they came here to perform and we're still here still doing concerts and uh, 41 years later
1: so for those in the community who maybe they love music and love music all their life but they never really knew the the background of that conductor and their job their duty during the symphony playing what what is it? How would you explain to somebody who's not familiar with how the symphony works or how an orchestra works, how would you explain that position of being the conductor?
2: Being the conductor. Well, you know, many people say, well, why is he standing up there and no one's looking at him? You know, so uh, <laughs> that's a common... Uh, uh, thought, but there's a lot that goes on with the conductor. If you listen to different recordings of the same piece, a symphony, it'll come out differently because the conductor determines what the tempo, the speed of the piece will be, where you slow down, where you speed up, um, many times how loud or how soft you're going to play. Conductor uh, relates all that to the orchestra, and, and even though it looks as if um, no one's looking at the conductor, believe me, they are. Uh, they have to look at the music, and out of peripheral vision, they're also looking at the conductor conduct. Hey,
1: that the the conductor position, it, you know, it, he's the one, like in your case, who kind of brings everything to life. Right, and
2: also it brings the ensemble. You know, you've got. Uh, 60 70 people on stage with a large orchestra i've conducted orchestras in south america there were 100 musicians on stage and you've got to as a conductor you've got to solidify all that and bring it all together
1: so i'm curious what are conductors like in other countries when you visit other places far away and you watch their symphony perform what is it like and are there differences in, in how things are conducted let's say uh, i don't know in france versus america how are things different for the conductor
2: well not really uh music is something that all musicians understand and um i remember when i was in Blanca in argentina conducting one of the musicians uh asked me he said um, you know, why don't you speak uh, Spanish? Or uh, and I said, well, I said I'm going to be in Russia. I'd have to learn. Uh, I do know a little Russian. And I said I'm going to be in France conducting, and I'm going to. I'm here. And I said I'd have to speak all those languages. And I said you understand what I'm saying anyway when I say it yeah. in English. So people understand. Musicians understand.
1: Well, music is a language in its own, right. and it's it's yes. one of those languages that brings people together no matter what, because it's able to convey emotion and, and these real, true feelings that, you know, anybody who loves music, they understand that.
2: Right. I was conducting in Switzerland, and half the orchestra was French, and the other half was German, and they all fought. So I was in the middle <laughs> of it. <laughs> but we had a great the time. Know, <laughs>
3: I will say also that with a Especially Dr. Harvin, there's there's such an energy that different conductors bring, and interpretation. You're interpreting yes. the music differently than someone else might. That's true. And with this this last concert, you know, with with Stefan, I mean, the the connection, the artistry that you bring to the stage, the energy, the you know, it's it's remarkable.
2: Well, thank you very much, really.
1: And and that's a a great point in going back to that. You know, the conductor is the one who brings that music to life. And it is fascinating how the same piece can sound totally different, totally different. somewhere else if a different conductor is doing it.
2: That's true. It really is. I like uh, one of my favorite conductors is Leonard Bernstein. I listen to him. He has the most passion mm-hmm. and uh, uh, just beautiful conducting. And the orchestra of the New York Philharmonic always played just Fabulously when he was on the podium.
1: And now moving over to Jane McNulty, the CEO of the Tennessee Philharmonic Orchestra. What are your duties in that role?
3: Um, to keep Lawrence in line. <laughs> That's no <an> time <laughs> job. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess um, uh, I'm kind of the overseer of a lot of of different things. I I support the board and and Ray, and um, also manage the staff. Um and and have a good time doing it we're just we're, we're excited
2: i have a good time
3: yes like, well, i love you then i'm doing my me. job well I yeah mean, <laughs> you know when my
2: wife's not on duty you are <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, you know as murphy's row continues to grow in rutherford county as You know this whole community continues to grow by leaps and bounds and we're looking at the potential of 500,000 residents within the next 10 years or so which that number used to look unreasonable when you would hear studies saying this is where we're gonna be in year let's say 2035 2040 that era and we didn't believe those numbers but now as we see how large we really are growing those numbers are easily believable yes
3: yes you know and it's amazing with these numbers because as a society however we are becoming more individuals we're staying home we're not coming together number forsprole does like to come together so our challenge is bringing those people to us to experience this live orchestral music and that's been especially with the pandemic you know the pandemic took people into their homes with 90 inch televisions and surround sound and and we'll say we will people will say, well I can listen to that and not buy a ticket and not park and and that's great. But to be in that hall with the energy of a 50 piece orchestra and and the audience um, is you cannot replicate that energy at home. So even though we have all of these people um, we want to make sure that they understand that right here in Murfreesboro, we have a top-notch, fully professional orchestra right here in, in our hometown.
1: Now, in this orchestra season, I know performances have been put on at Bel Air Baptist Church yeah. and in the past, First Methodist Church on Thompson Lane, uh, both large facilities. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the room design of those churches, the shapes of the wall, how they are not perfectly angled the same way it all makes for better sound for an orchestra
3: it does it it does and it's a beautiful Surrounding and we've enjoyed both of those churches and and next season. We're going to Try a little something different. We're actually going to do two of our concert next season at the fountains upstairs in in the view Um, because we want we want to be accessible and comfortable for Um, new to audiences to join us so we we as long as there's room for the musicians we're there we're gonna play
1: now is there any talk of the symphony having their own auditorium that they can say hey this this is where we're gonna perform from here on out this is ours
3: lots and lots and lots of talk we're just waiting for the check. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know that's an ongoing because we
3: need it so desperately here. We can't not even just for the orchestra, but there's a lot of arts going on here in Rutherford County, and we need a facility. We and need. And is big
2: enough too. It's big enough, enough. You know, it's about time that we do move in that direction. 100%. It is. You know, the university 40. has been using has been taking that role in the past, and it's really time for the city to pick up the reins and and move with it
4: well in many ways with you know we've outgrown the facilities there right uh, we need something new we yes. have the uh, population as you're pointing out the growth here uh so
1: Uh, Very much a conversation that uh, has been going on for a while and continues. Again, board chair Ray Singer. So when the board looks at the future expansion of Rutherford County, when they look at that growth going up and up and up, are those board members saying, well, you know, here are 10 locations as an example of where we could focus on it as far as moving, building, creating a, a real place for the orchestra, a solid home for it? And then are they also saying, You know, this building could also serve as a location where art shows could take place. We could have hallways and galleries within this. And that would be the perfect combination. The way we're growing, that would be the ideal solution is
4: all arts in in all capacities. Everything that you can think of that you mentioned um, and uh, just a home that everything can be displayed, can be played, can be performed, acted out uh from one end of the
1: spectrum to the other and when i think of you know really cool ideas for orchestra settings i i do think of the arts in multiple forms not just the music side of it but the the art side of it with paintings with Mm -hmm. photography And, and on and on and on. Plays, I mean, the list goes on, yeah. Be in, a,
2: in a facility like that, it would be a central place where people could go to enjoy the arts.
1: So the question is are there more grants that are becoming available that possibly we could take advantage of here locally to build a, a new performance theater? Right. <laughs> ray's been diligent searching are all teddy and now look
3: at
4: me
1: mr president uh, where's the money ray
4: <laughs> grants and more than grants uh we, you know we've we've grown as a community to a uh, uh, significance that the state also has uh has funds so there are multiple conversations on uh, various fronts that are occurring with right. uh with a lot of movers and shakers uh and something that's kind of uh reignited i guess or 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 stoke the embers is the uh, amphitheater that uh, is uh, apparently coming to town. So it's it's you know you've got something a larger venue there. We need something for the medium size in the thousand seat range. So uh, there are two
2: thousand seat or two thousand yes absolutely. Let's fill that thing. Love to fill it up.
1: (laughs) You know places like the MTSU Tucker Theater have been a great location for a, a good many number of events over the years, but there really is a need to have Murfreesboro's very own performance arts center larger than center for the arts as an example or comparison we need something bigger
2: that's where we started yeah the tucker theater and uh we we did our concerts there and it was great the acoustics are not that wonderful for the orchestra i, I remember one of the, f- the first concert i uh performed in there the back wall; those things were not um, uh, alive, and it wasn't a real crisp sound. And I, finally, I realized that on the back wall is this huge carpet. So when the sound goes out, that carpet would grab it and just suck it right in. You didn't get any feedback, any feeling Mm -hmm. of uh, reverberation or anything in the hall. We need some place that does, that has great acoustics, that uh, would amplify the symphony and and any other production that's in there.
1: And when you look at performance halls like the Skimmerhorn in downtown Nashville... Do you see a design like that in our future here for Rutherford County? It'd be
2: great if we could get that. You know, I, I was on there's... the building committee, by the way, for the Skirmah oh, Horn.
3: Really? Yes. Well, then...
1: uh, you just named your do... new position with. You yeah, uh...
3: kind of <laughs> slide those signs right over. You just <laughs> slide them right
2: over. I'm afraid all I got out of it was a hard hat, though. No.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and my
2: name on the hard hat. <laughs>
1: So, so what, what are some of the visions of those who are part of the Tennessee Philharmonic Orchestra?
3: I think there were, uh, there's, there are conversations with not only us, but other art groups in the community to have a facility that has a maybe 1,500, 2,000 seater covered theater, and then perhaps classrooms, exhibit hall, um, you know, there, there have been, there is a lot of conversation is, is and, and everyone has input and so, you know, we'll get down to the logistics of where and how much. You know, I mean, that's where it comes in, is is there's a lot of growth right now in our, our our community, and schools have to be built, and roads have to be built, and sometimes, as many times, arts gets kind of put on the bottom of the list. So we're going to need a community effort as well as a city and state effort. And,
1: you know, the interesting thing when it comes to the arts that combination of arts and the variety of arts that a town has is one of those key things that that draws in business. It draws in these big corporate offices who are thinking about locating in the South. It draws in big companies. They want to make sure th- their employees have a place to live, thrive, and be involved. And if we lack things for those company members to be involved in, then we're not going to be the top choice or top destination for new companies to build.
3: Yeah, and, you know, I worked for a long time to be the bedroom community of Nashville, to be in that. But we've outgrown that, and that's that's what we need to understand is is it's not – we don't need to drive the 28 miles or whatever it is and fight for Parking and pay you know I mean we've we've got it here we're a community that loves the arts we love being together that's one thing that we've noticed that you put something up on that square and it will be well attended we love the arts and the community here and we just need to pull together and, and build this thing
1: in just a, a few years ago nissan north america and they had their north american office based in the california area they came to the south and decided hey we want to build here we want to relocate our corporate offices here and tennessee is one of the areas we're looking at and and from what i heard they even looked into rutherford county as a possible location but ultimately decided to be in the franklin williamson county area But it's those big companies, those big organizations that bring with them high-paying jobs that are jobs people keep for, you know, their entire job span, if you would. Uh, So there is a massive need to bring in and have more arts right here in our own backyard it
3: is and and it's, it's not just for now we were talking about this a little while ago it's the generations to come you know our children right now are in their phones and they're on the you know everything has an app and they can we need to bring us together for generations to come of community quality arts and that's what we're looking for
1: Field trips, Uh, students out there taking field trips to places to see a performance by an orchestra. That's one of those things that, well, it's starting to revamp up all over again, because I know during those COVID years, we had a lot of problems with children taking field trips from school. But we're getting to that safe point again where those field trips have restarted. I'm wondering, has the Tennessee Philharmonic Orchestra, have they done things with schools to where they are presenting these kids with that feel of an orchestra and letting them hear what an orchestra sounds like for the first time? We have completely
4: revamped what we're doing in the school system over, well, we took the opportunity during COVID. uh, We had the time to kind of, I won't say dismantle, just uh, take what we had as a core and add to it. Uh, and we're very active. Um, I, I, I don't know the number, but I'd probably say in, in somewhere around 40 to 50 schools and uh, uh, city ca- schools, county schools, private school system uh, in there virtually in them, uh, plural virtually every week, uh, involving the students from playing, touching, feeling, hearing, learning, and just generally teaching through education where we have a, a very good presence and we're building upon that. We've hired somebody to run that program who just retired from the school system that plays in the orchestra. So she's done a phenomenal job with just putting that together and carrying that forward.
2: And the hey. orchestra, I think go, right the and orchestra did youth concerts from almost from its beginning, mm-hmm. and. The way it worked was the evening concert would be on Monday night, and I would have three concerts that uh, morning, uh, three different concerts for schools, and they'd uh, bust the kids in for the concerts, and we'd have a youth concert. And it was mainly built off of the concert that we were going to do that that evening with uh, of course a lot of changes but we have the symphony has been very active in trying to educate and uh, promote uh, classical music uh, to the kids in this uh, in this city and county.
3: We do a, a Richard Siegel Concert every year for the kids we we recognize, top musicians in um, all city and county schools. We just did it last month, and we had over 400 kids and their families come and hear a full orchestra performance. And they can, there was a orchestra we call it a petting zoo where they can go and touch the instruments. And I guess and, we started that. And, well, thank you so much, <laughs> Dr. Harvin. <You're> <laughs> <laughs> but we have, you know, we, we this year we were in 21 schools, um, three homes schools i mean we're constantly sending people out we're a part of the steam program um you know so we are we we recognize that education of our youth is our future so this is a passion project of the orchestra and and we got to take a short
1: break but when we come back i want to mention the final performance of the season is going to be next thursday night at 7 p.m that's april 20th and it will be a bel-air baptist but let's learn more about that right after this short break and again this morning we're talking about the Tennessee Philharmonic Orchestra and our guests in studio include the original conductor Dr. Lawrence Harvin, CEO Jay McNulty, and board chair Ray Singer. And once more we're talking about the Tennessee Philharmonic Orchestra and we'll mention when we come back from this break more about that final performance next Thursday night at 7. Time right now 8:41. Stay with us. We do have more news and information coming your way on WGNs, your good neighbor station since 1947.
4: We're located on East Main Street, exactly three miles from the town square, one mile past Rutherford Boulevard. Visit us online at BudsTireProsTN.com.
2: Hi, this is Peter Demas. One of the things that we've done years ago is we've been able to do our orders like our pastas and many other items that we used to be able to put them in large pans. And now we have a catering team that will even deliver it to your home. We can drop it off for you, set it up, or they can come in and pick it up look up our catering menu on www.demusrestaurants.com.
0: This is Peter Demas at Demas' Restaurant 1115 Northwest Broad Street in Murfreesboro. CBS News brief: The man accused of leaking and posting classified documents on social media goes to court soon. Many are asking how a 21-year-old Air National Guardsman got those documents. Pentagon spokesman Brigadier General Patrick Ryder says he must have been determined. We do have stringent guidelines in place for safeguarding classified and sensitive information. This was a deliberate criminal act. South Florida is getting less rain today. People in and near Fort Lauderdale are telling stories of how they escaped flooded cars and homes.
1: And the water got high and higher.
4: When I got up to my waist and it was daylight, I had to go out the window.
0: The family of a Fulton County, Georgia inmate wants answers after his body was found covered in bedbugs. Attorney Michael Harper.
5: There is no excuse for a mentally ill inmate to be left alone in a jail, abandoned to
4: die.
0: CBS News Brief. I'm Peter King. When you're an innovative business, every blinking cursor, every blank page is an opportunity. What will you do with it? Will you make something better or create something new? Our Dell Technologies Advisors provide you with tools and expertise to do incredible things. Because we believe there's an innovator in all of us. For advice on smart PCs powered by Intel vPro that's built for business, call a Dell Technologies Advisor at 877-ASK-DELL. I'm Scott Trout, attorney and CEO
4: of the domestic litigation
0: firm Cordell & Cordell.
4: We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on.
0: Schedule an appointment with one of Cordell & Cordell's Nashville-area attorneys. 810 Crescent Center Drive, Suite 160, Franklin, Tennessee, 37067.
1: We're talking with Betty Atterbury. What do you like most about Adams Place?
4: When I first came here, I did not know anyone in here. But it wasn't too long until we have four at the table and we are very good friends now. I really like my table mates at Adams Place.
3: I'm Terry Deal. Call me for more information about Adams Place, located at 1927 Memorial Boulevard, across from Walmart.
0: If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank. 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, CapstarBank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender. The Action Line on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro,
1: FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSradio.com time right now 846 again we're talking about the tennessee philharmonic orchestra and uh, the final concert of the season the final performance is going to be next thursday night that's april 20th at 7 p.m at bel-air baptist and for anybody listening the question how can you get tickets for that
3: well, you can go to tnphil.org, and you can get tickets online. Uh, you can go to the door. You can call the office, which I'm looking for a phone number. But you can get them at the door. Um,
2: 898 the- <laughs> 1862.
3: Okay. <laughs> and there you go. So um but uh yeah, there's yeah. lots of ways that the the website and Eventbrite. Eventbrite. And I knew there was another Eventbrite has our tickets on. So anything special about
1: this upcoming final season concert that we need to know about?
3: You know, I'll tell you, we are so excited. I'm gonna let you talk in just a minute, Doctor Harvin. But um our concert master Stefan Petrescu has been with us for 34 years and he is retiring and so this will be his last concert with the orchestra which is why Dr. Harvin has graciously agreed to because he's the one that brought Stefan in they have a rich history together all of which you can see a video interview of on our website, tnfield.org. Um, but they have a rich history, and they're gonna be on the stage one last time, and we are...
2: Is our first s- last time. It's
3: the first last time, <laughs> but we are so excited that these two great, talented men, with the energy that they share, and the friendship, and the history, are going to be on, on stage again. Thank
1: you. Now, that his background was from where? Um, I'll
2: tell you a story how I first met <laughs> okay. Stefan early one morning I got a call from Christine Huddleston and she was very interested and put uh, did a lot of work with homeless people here in, the, in Murfreesboro and she told me she said uh, Lawrence she said I have two Romanians down here and they speak very little English but they're musicians and they have violins she said Will you come down and talk to them and um, see how what we can do and how we can uh, work this out and I said yes and so I went down and I met Dan and Elku, which was Stefan's friend and Stefan Petrescu and we were able to uh, communicate back and forth using some musical language and uh, the, uh, luckily the orchestra had a concert coming up the next week so I invited both of them to join me on the stage and play in the orchestra and they did and we had a we had a great time rehearsal Stefan said he was a little nervous because he didn't speak that much English but um we passed the hat at that concert and they got some extra money and there were people in the community uh, that also helped them and that was the beginning of our relationship and I asked him I said well why did you come they did a concert with the Columbia Columbia artists it was uh, an orchestra that was traveling from Romania from Constanza Romania and they came through Murfreesboro and played at the university and I went to that concert and then they went down to Birmingham Well, I didn't realize it, but there's a big uh, Romanian community in this area, in Nashville and around Murfreesboro. So they were able to help them get back. When they gave everybody their passports that evening at the hotel down there, uh, they were able to get their uh, passports and – I guess escape, would that be the (laughs) proper word? That's what it was. And the truckers drove them back here. And I asked Stefan, I said, well, why did you come back to Murfreesboro? he said, well, it reminded them most of Romania. So that's... (laughs) i thought it was interesting
1: you know i I know how he mentioned music does not have boundaries of language and i'm curious the way music is written far and wide is it written and read the same way no matter where you are
2: yes it is now there are some notations in, in france that are different but like rest and things, they look a little bit different. But generally, everything is the same. The language or the notes and everything on the page are exactly the same.
1: You know, I, I think that's one of the factors that makes music so interesting is that, you know, it's written historically the same across the world, across the globe. And I think that's part of what brings it all together. And then, of course, the sound of music, that that sound is something else that folks can relate to no matter where they are.
2: That's true. We have a very rich culture, and I always think of uh, the music itself as a library of all these great pieces, Beethoven, Mozart, uh, that wrote all this wonderful music, and here we have it in a library. But it's not any good. It's not any good at all, the music, unless you have musicians to perform it. That's Mm -hmm. when it... Becomes alive.
1: Absolutely, and we're just about out of time. I know. I said I, I've got an interview that I have to air towards the end of this program this morning. But as we close, is there anything special you want to leave our audience with, or any reminders?
3: This is a very, very special concert next Thursday to with these two longtime friends. And if you've never been to just just to feel these two work together after so many years working together it's going to be very very special and i tell you you're going to want to be there it'll be unforgettable
1: and again this concert will be at bel-air baptist here in murfreesboro on thursday night of next week april 20th once more bel-air baptist and again remind me Can you buy tickets at the door, or do you need to get them in advance? No, you can
3: buy them at the door.
1: Okay, so you can get the tickets at the door for this Tennessee Philharmonic performance, which will be thursday thursday of next week at bel-air baptist april 20th and again uh it's going to be a special edition concert if you would uh because the the conductor is one who i guess is leaving after his time of service and the concert master
3: yes both, yeah. both men
1: yes so so a lot of uh interesting things happening at this upcoming concert next week on thursday yes and again the website if anybody wants to buy tickets in advance or to learn more about the orchestra here
3: tnphil t-n-p-h-i-l dot org
1: sounds great well thank you all for joining us today Thank you. thank you. Thank you so
3: thank you, much. Uh, again,
1: with us this morning in studio have been conductor Dr. Lawrence Harvin, the original conductor for the Tennessee Philharmonic Orchestra, and then also with us CEO Jane McNulty and board chair Ray Singer. And again, that concert is coming up this coming Thursday of next week, April 20th, and it will be at Bel Air Baptist. And yes, you can buy tickets at the door. Again, thank you all for joining us. Thank Thank you. Thank you. The time right now is 8.54. And, of course, we'll post this podcast of this morning's show on our website in the podcast section at WGNSRadio.com. And coming up next, we are going to be talking with the town attorney for the town of Smyrna about a new ordinance that is in place that is going to hopefully curb what, some call puppy mills to make it illegal to sell retail way, uh, sell retail dogs and cats. So we'll learn more about that new ordinance in the town of Smyrna next, right here on WGNs, and this is the Action Line on this Friday morning.
0: The Action Line, on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. The Action Line, on FM 101.9 and AM 1450 Murfreesboro, FM 100.5 Smyrna, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.
1: As we mentioned just a second ago, we're going to learn more about a new ordinance in the town of Smyrna that will hopefully curb future puppy mills. We'll tell you all about that right now. And now the town of Smyrna. The town of Smyrna has passed a new ordinance that prohibits pet stores from selling dogs or cats. WGNS spoke to town attorney Jeff Peach. It
5: prohibits the retail sale of dogs and cats, basically from a brick and mortar retail commercial pet store. They're not able to sell dogs and cats for profit.
1: Peach says the new ordinance that was passed last month is now in effect.
5: It is in effect now, currently in our ordinance.
1: We asked Peach who will be enforcing the new ordinance.
5: So our code. Department. Our code enforcement will be the primary enforcement. However, anyone can report an ordinance being broken to the police if it's after hours.
1: Peach told WGNS that any current pet stores in Smyrna and future pet stores that plan to locate in Smyrna will be encouraged to work with nonprofits and organizations as opposed to working with breeders who are raising dogs or cats in a fashion that's unhealthy.
5: The good part of it is actually encourages them to partner with whether it's shelters or those types of rescues, nonprofits, and it will allow them to uh, partner with them for existing animals that are out there to be adopted.
1: One of the goals with this new ordinance focuses on cutting down on the so called puppy mills located throughout the state
5: that pipeline from the puppy mills where they're keeping animals for a long period of time and the females they're keeping almost their entire lifetime locked in a cave and breeding them just over and over.
1: And as far as other cities who have similar ordinances that Smyrna now has?
5: There's over 300 cities nationwide that have taken some sort of action with an ordinance that does the similar thing to prevent the retail sale of dogs and cats. There's a good deal more cities that will follow. I know that Metro Nashville and I believe Franklin, Tennessee, have a similar ordinance as well.
1: Again, the new ordinance does not allow for the sale of dogs or cats in any retail setting in the Smyrna town limits.
5: Number one, you know, we would notice if someone came into town, they would have a business license if they're doing such. This doesn't stop local breeders and things like that. This is only for the retail commercial business selling dogs and cats.
1: In other words, pet stores cannot sell dogs or cats.
5: There's not a store in Smyrna currently that this will affect. There's not a pet store that sells dogs or cats here. So it's really a preventative measure.
1: Some breeders that have high numbers of dogs and cats don't properly care for the animals they do have.
5: According to the Canine Journal, there's over 10,000 mills operating in the United States in 2021, and only 3,000 of those were licensed by the USDA. There are federal guidelines under the Animal Welfare Act. The problem is those rules are just not narrow enough and the USDA just does not have the manpower to enforce those rules. So that's why the different cities and some states have taken action to try to at least interrupt this pipeline that would encourage more mills for dogs or cats.
1: Puppy mills. In the end, it's the taxpayers who have to fund the cost, as
5: explained by Peach sees one of those animals, sometimes they can have either physical or even psychological issues and then what happens? Then that person, you know, may not be able to have that animal around their family or their children. So then we have an issue with an animal without a home. And of course we have like paws here in Rutherford County. And so the taxpayers are then bearing that cost of dealing with those issues.
1: Town attorney for Smyrna, Jeff Peach, said if it were not for the town council and the Smyrna mayor, this new ordinance would not be in effect.
5: Town council and the mayor, obviously, this ordinance wouldn't have passed. And I, I appreciate them indulging and, and listening to these concerns and, and acting on it. For WGNS News, I'm Scott Walker reporting.